The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, Hot Queens? It's me, Clarabelle. So, Ryan and I just wanted to send a message to all of our listeners. We know that this week is going to be difficult for many of you. A lot of people are alone this week, aren't able to see family and friends. So we wanted to drop this week's episode just a little bit early for you so that if you are by yourself or if you are feeling down, you have two slightly chaotic best friends who are going to be spending this holiday with you. You're not alone. We're here for you. And believe it or not, we are all going to get through this together. It seems like something difficult to imagine being on the other side of this terrible year, but we're grateful that you're all still here with us. We love you so much. We appreciate you so much. And we really hope that this episode can bring you a little bit of laughter and distraction. If you need an encouraging message or a funny animal gif or anything like that, please feel free to reach out to us at CelebBKClub on Twitter and we will send you a message and hopefully lift your spirits. Okay, that's enough talking for me. Uh, So enjoy episode three of Celebrity Book Club and we will see you on the other side. What's up, hot queens? Did you bring the baby gherkins? (laughs) This is when I really felt like maybe we shouldn't do this podcast. Astronomical. I hate to see it. Where's the potential? Are you drunk? (laughs) I am so drunk right now. Last time on Celebrity Book Club. TLDR or too long didn't read for this chapter is we find out Tookie has a dumb waiter for a locker and that she does not like chocolate. Her town, Peppertown, is really hot. Arpeza is actually not as rich as she seems. There is a triple seven named CL who is missing, famous model slash wondrous woman or whatever. I don't remember how they described her. Um, hot lady. Yeah, hot lady. We find out there's child labor in this world and Tookie just sort of feels sad about it and then moves on. We find Tookie's friend Lizzie who lives in a tree. They greet each other by sniffing their armpits and saying, what's up, hot queen? Uh, Lizzie was in a mental hospital. She's got some issues going on. Lizzie and Tookie fantasize about escaping in a plan called Exodus, but Tookie is not ready to go. And that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, you're here. Did you bring the push-up bras? (laughs) Oh, 
I did. <laughs> and, um, did you happen to bring the sausage gravy that you keep in a dumbwaiter, which is actually your locker? <laughs> Welcome to Celebrity Book Club. I am Clarabel Ortega, author of Ghost Squad. And I am Ryan Losella, the author of Reverie. And we're two authors delving into the world of celebrity pen books. Oh, it is so good to be back here. Yes, so good. Excited for today's chapter because we we met an interesting character. Mmm, yes. <laughs> chapter three. Ta And let me tell you, this this really there's a there's a lot of treats in this. I felt like I really was getting whiplash just being led through this one. I was pretty sure that the well, I I know now, but I suspected that the chapter alluded to Miracle, Tookie's sister, who's mm-hmm. dumb as a rock, but is the preferred sibling. And yeah, this the, there was a lot going on in this chapter. Like, a lot that I'm pretty sure has nothing to do with any of the actual plot. <laughs> like, it's, like, hard, it's hard to know. I, I feel like I feel like Tyra as an author zeroes in on these like very specific details about things. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like it's there's not gonna ever show up again. I hope I'm wrong, but that's my I hope, feeling. Yeah. I I also I agree. I think you're probably right. It's just so hard reading this book because it's so rich and dense. We were just talking about this, how like everything's at a ten. It's hard to know what to pay attention to. What I envision this book as is like you know when you're watching like old animation and a character reaches for a bookshelf and you immediately can see where the book is that they're they're reaching for because it's Mm -hmm. like the one thing that's not painted it's like a solid red among like you know a beautifully rendered background and you're like okay that's you know they're reaching for that book and like if you look at like snow white or any of the old like disney's you can tell where something uh that needs to move basically is because it's less detailed um this is like that but in in the opposite way we're like everything is sort of feels like interactive and interchangeable and it's really hard to know like what is scenery versus like what's plot uh and chapter three really is is no different and and actually like i think the most direct part of it is actually the the very beginning where it starts out with like our usual sort of like expository italics (laughs) (laughs) our, our like darling narrator who and i at this point, it's cemented. I always, I always hear this in Tyra Banks's voice. <laughs> Find out that Tookie De La Creme lives on 3434 Pepper Lane. Everything has to be like rhymy or cutesy. It's a lot. I actually watched because I love doing research. I watched a couple of videos that were Model Land related this past week. And one of them was a video that Tyra's publisher did with her where she's like going around different places where she wrote the book. And it's like her pretending to write in all these different places and then talking about like the process. And and she was talking about how she wrote in the New York Public Library. And I'm like... I know New York has a very, like, a much more chill relationship with celebrities where it's like, you can be a celebrity and live in New York and, like, not be constantly hounded by paparazzi. But can Tyra Banks really write in a public room in the New York Public Library and That's not be? That's amazing to me. <laughs> I mean. How and, she got swamped? I mean, right. I, maybe, maybe no one's, like, looking for her there. I don't know. Tyra Banks on, like, her talk show also did that, like, thing where she, like, dressed as a homeless person and, like, snuck around Who and was like, I now doing. understand poverty. Like, things. <laughs> like that so I, I can actually see her like not actually writing but sort of like cosplaying as a writer right in the new york public library and like in her mind like all writers are like you know they they wear glasses and like pearls and have like hunched backs and like she had a prosthetic like i can just imagine her 
making a performance out of this. <laughs> yeah, she said she was looking at all the books in the in the Rose reading room, and she was like, Modeland is going to be there one day. And I was like, well... And she's not wrong, because, you know, <laughs> the one place where you can find Modeland very easily is in the library. Libraries yeah. still have it as an ebook only, I think, for most places. But if you go on WorldCat, Modeland does exist, so... If you're lucky did enough, you can read along with us. Please do. Please, whoever's out there, please join us. In your research, did you see the video of like the America's Next Top Model episode where she's like talking about Model Land and like they have to do like a challenge around it? I was looking for it and I could not find it. Maybe if you have a link, you could share it with me because I wanted to see that specifically, specifically, and I couldn't find it. <laughs> Sorry, I just like gasped like involuntarily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is one thing that drives me a little bit cuckoo about this book, where there's a lot of like you feel like there's going to be foreshadowing and then it like immediately gives the thing away right so there's supposed to be like cracks and statues and like things being held together and like everything not being what it seems and like we immediately realize like their house is literally falling apart like really yeah like it's not even like it seems nice like it just it's a hot mess from the very beginning right. there's also a little right. bit of inconsistency in how we start the chapter because there's a piece of slate that breaks off of the roof and almost kills her or whatever but in <laughs> chapter one because of her quote-unquote forget a girl status inanimate objects were avoiding her oh yeah and meanwhile her house is maybe it's like a deep metaphor right like her house is the one inanimate object that's have to get her but it's not an inanimate object it's actually like a animated symbol it's like when people are like the character or you know the, the setting in this book is almost a character in and of itself like maybe the house has sort of like taken on this like animosity that Tookie feels from you're her family. So, you're so generous, but we're gonna go with that. <laughs> we're gonna go with that, and we're gonna okay. say yes. So she almost dies on her porch, <laughs> and like is like, I'll have to remind my mother about this. Yeah. And she walks in, and <laughs> her house is in shambles, literally in shambles. Quite literally. What's her mom's name? Do you remember? Oh, her mom's name is Creamy Delacram. Like, why? And also, like, Tookie and her sister Miracle call her creamy. They don't call her mom. Imagine calling your mom creamy. Oh, God. I don't want to go that. Oh, that's awful. She's also described as being, like, an exceptional... <laughs> this is great. Like, an exceptionally, like, beautiful... Or some, like, a woman who's, like, fastidiously beautiful. Like, takes care of herself, basically. But, like, is really, like, sort of fanatical about it. Except for her face. Her face is described as, like horrible looking but the yeah. rest of her is described as like she's got like a snatched waist and beautiful hands but her face is like wrinkled raggy and like caped in, yeah caped in makeup and i feel like it's usually the opposite right like if you meet like like the woman that creamy is supposed to be in the like the, the reader's mind like usually it's like a you know she's said to like work at like a beauty counter and typically i feel like those women have like beautiful like you know botoxed faces and then their their hands are sort of what gives away their age not creamy, though. It almost seems like wrinkles and being old is, like, shorthand for evil in this book, which I don't appreciate the oh. ageism, Tyra. Let's get it Truly. together. Also, mental health, again, I'm just, I'm probably going to have to stop saying this because I have a feeling that it's just okay. going to get worse. But, like, the way that panic attacks are talked about, it's like, you're a hysterical person if you have a mental health issue. I don't love it. But... Um, Tookie's mom, Creamy, is definitely dealing with some shit. Like, heavily implied that, like, she's deeply OCD, like, deeply yeah. compulsive and obsessive. Right. And right. to the point that, like, and so, but, like, by the way, someone coming, like, I, I'm someone who, like, lives with OCD. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> reading about this, this is the exact portrayal of OCD that, like, warded me off from even considering it something that, like, I might be dealing with. Literally until I was, like, 27, because people think of OCD as, like, 
you really have to like keep things organized and like you can't you know if like a colored pencil falls out of line like you get really agitated and that is true for some people um for for creamy um she doesn't like spots on bananas or you know using things like cleanly it seems like cleanliness is like this like big thing for her but reading this i was like well this is actually like even in like the kind of like no offense sire but like primitive idea of like what this is like the fact that someone with like this type of like obsessive compulsive disorder would live in a place that's like falling down around them exactly what i was gonna say yeah i was like there's even like this like contradiction in that too like and of course there are complexities to this too, but I was like, I was like, from an artistic standpoint, if I knew nothing about this, I'd be like, it's strange that this person has like, so like she has like a new tea kettle still in the wrapping and like a new knife block still in the wrapping, but like the like water filters broken in the house. And like that to me would be like a huge trigger. <laughs> so I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, absolutely. So she's flipping out. We meet Creamy because she's yelling about a tiny bananas. brown speck on bananas and she just like wants to throw it out. And she's so upset about it. Um, I love the description of her outfit, uh, a mm-hmm. perfectly tailored white one-piece pantsuit with dramatically pointed shoulder pads and a cinch belt to accentuate her small waist. Yes, honey. I love yes. that. I was like, it. that is so, I love her. I stand. I love her outfit. Wait, you missed the best thing about her outfit, which is that she at all times carries around a small porcelain doll named <laughs> Bellissima. Oh my God. Is that, I I must have blacked out when I read that sentence <laughs> yes. because later on she puts Belisima, somebody puts Belisima on a counter and I'm like, yes. who in the world is Belisima? And I must have like, when I read it, I was like, this can't be real. <laughs> yes. It's like, she looks, she looks hot. She's fashion forward. And also she has a doll at all times and it's never mentioned again until you're totally right. Like until the exact moment when. She puts it down and you're like, oh, right. Like this entire scene is like with this like adult lady who is toting around a like fake baby. <laughs> it makes no sense. It, it's like she Tyra creates these like caricatures of people and gives them these very specific like mm-hmm. things and traits and like items that don't seem to make any sense at all. Well, you know, here's a crazy person. So let's give them, you know, the crazy person right. doll. We have like the, you know, typical totem of like, a crazy mother is like a... Right fake child and i get it like it's it's just it is depictions of mental illness like drawn with crayons like that's how all of this (laughs) yes yes oh and i did write down she does have an extensive doll collection so it's not just bellissima she has other dolls in her collection you think we'll meet the other dolls i sure hope so (laughs) i can only hope we also like we've uh, again a reference to trejali twist in her hair her yeah. dark hair is in a Trejali twist. We don't know if Trejali is a place or if it is a style or if they're just saying it's pretty. We don't understand. It's true. It's true. Yeah. At this point, I'm reading it as, a, as like sort of a stand-in for French or like Francophilia, like in general. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel about that. Oh, she also she also works at as a regional manager. This is also part of her outfit too, I guess, but she has like a, a badge on her on her chest oh, saying yeah. regional manager followed by the logo for perfect effecta which is the beauty department store for where she, uh, that that she works in and this i actually thought was really interesting it's described as like she works in a job that is like a hundred times better than like the factories of mm-hmm. peppertown and that's like a regional manager at like a like a beauty department like beauty counter basically yeah. um which i'm like oh cool like finally we're like we're getting insights into like the world itself because the thing that like fascinates me about like dystopian worlds but also like fantasy worlds in general is like who has power and why because that tells you like what a society prioritizes and like also like what's vilified and like 
So now we know beauty department people, salespeople are, you know, they're sort of like the rich people of the society, it seems. Yes, absolutely. I actually really like that detail as well. There's like mm-hmm. little like pockets of like good stuff that sneaks yeah. its way in every once in yeah. a while. Another thing that I wanted to mention about the video that I watched with Tyra going about New York City is that she said that this book is purposefully a camp. So she wanted it to be over the top and like really campy. And I feel like she definitely made it camp, but I feel as if, I feel as if she also didn't at the same time. Like, (laughs) because camp is such a complicated thing. Like if you watch like the outfits from the Met, Gala when it was supposed to be camp like nobody knew what was going on right like nobody (laughs) knew what the theme actually was I'm so glad you mentioned I was about to say that I was like the the moment of like this this book is camp in the way that like Carly Kloss was like looking camp right in the eye and like posted like a you know like a sneak peek of her outfit of her like looking at the camera oh my god and then it really wasn't not campy (laughs) yeah (laughs) yes yeah so I feel like to do in order to do something like camp which is like such a subtle thing that's over the top which is what makes it really hard you have to be a like a genius writer I think to pull that off in a really good way and Tyra by her own admission in the video said she's really new at this so I just feel like the sentiment is there right like the bones of it could be there but they just like I didn't think she, I don't think she had the chops to write the thing that she wanted to write camp you need such a like basically like an intimate knowledge of like what you're satirizing via that camp and whilst Hiram may have like that sort of knowledge and wherewithal with like the fashion industry she doesn't have it with YA literature right so like if there's campiness it comes from her personality and sort of her take on like fashionable people and not necessarily like you know books about teens or four teens or any of any of that stuff so yeah maybe maybe camp was in mind for her because she's like a kooky lady but like I I agree with you it's uh a little lackluster, especially <laughs> through the lens of camp. <laughs> yes. I wanted to read the description of Creamy Delacreme, whose name is Cursed. So it says, though her body and soft, lineless, tan-skinned hands. First of all, everybody in this book has, like, medium skin tone. It's like you're tan and you're bronze. There's, like, no, like... There's nothing else, I feel. Yeah, where's the diversity? Where are the white people? No, I meant dark people. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Ryan. No, you're right. No, you're right. Her face was a different story. It says, thick makeup clumped heavily in permanent lines on and around her mouth. Deep crow's feet fanned out from the corner of her eyes all the way to her ears. Even her nose was covered in wrinkles. That's Tookie- rough. Tookie hoped that whatever her mother's affliction was, wasn't hereditary. You mean aging? Like... <laughs> Do you mean, like, genetics? Like, uh, I hate to see her, it. Her affliction of mortality. It's it's just a lot. I, I just wrote ageism in caps. A- ageism. <laughs> this also leads to, like, what I think is probably becoming my most reviled motif in this book, which... <laughs> oh, God. Uh, oh, I'm I know what you're going to say. Um, is it, is it when Creamy looks at Tookie and goes, can those baby fingers of yours dig out a jerkin for me? I'm starving. Why with the baby fingers? I Why don't get it. Baby 
I feel okay this is my personal thought about this I feel like somewhere along the way like Karl Lagerfeld or something must have told Tyra like oh you have such delicate little baby fingers or something and everybody was like oh my god your hands are so little and baby like and that's like a thing now with Tyra like oh aren't my hands so small like isn't it funny because my feet are big and I have a big forehead but my fingers are little I just feel like it's a very specific thing to Tyra. I you're right. You're right. It's so precious. It's so precious in the descriptions. But it's such a deeply grotesque description mm-hmm. of something. Like, Toki's described as, like, lanky, like, gargantuan, basically, like, Amazonian girl. And the fact that her, like, long arms end in, like, baby hands. Like, I just envision, like, Katya the drag queen when she has those, like, small little baby hands. Oh, or, like, that, like, <laughs> SNL thing of, like, with my, by myself. Like, that's what I see in my in my head. And it's just, and also, also, I under, it basically implies that, like, she can fit her hand into a so like she must have like slim wrists too and like i don't know if her fingers are like long and like delicate like a pianist or if they're just like short and truncated and like tiny it's just i don't understand how baby hands are like good for grasping pickles and i like hate that i'm being like forced to think through this like in the geometry of these baby hands and we're on page 39 it's just deeply uncomfortable it's a lot and the number of times that gherkin is said in this book is just astronomical astronomical and when they when they describe when she says here her mother was always talking about how delicate and dexterous they were talking about her baby fingers again tyra's really feeling her own fingers i think that's what this is about she thinks her fingers are wonderful i'm not mad at her about that but i also feel like we shouldn't be subjected to the term baby fingers unless it's a literal baby unless you are a literal (laughs) baby i totally agree with you i think you i think you're dead off (laughs) god okay so they they go and they're this this chapter just goes from like zero to 60 so quickly yeah um so the mom's throwing out food right that's where we are yeah she's just throwing avocados like Mm. fresh food yep she blames Tookie for digging through the trash on a nightly basis to take the food out of the garbage because it's all fresh. I think it's supposed to be like an act of like PETA-esque nobility, but really it's just kind of gross. It's food's in the garbage. Yeah. Um, and they're watching the news. Yes. And the news is saying that, um, and this is sort of where like a whole world of like discrepancies begins. The news is saying that four smizes have been discovered. So remember, smizes are these like magic talismans that totally boost your chances of being discovered on T-Dot, which is the day of discovery and four of them have been found and i forget i think there's seven of them total seven uh and yeah and like this one was found oh they 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 travel through the universe via water and so also by the way tookie's house every every single tap is on and like water is running all over the place just so that they can like catch one it falls and some girl found one on like a public pool and she's like on the news totally happy about it and it's it's very like charlie and the chocolate factory golden ticket-esque like we're seeing these things get recovered and the family is also frantically like looking for one themselves like they think that they have a really strong chance of finding one of these and also the girls um who found it are described as a gang of hooligan females right and Mm. they're at pitter patter which is what i believed was the ghetto um, town of this mm. world and I was correct it was like well there has to be one that's a hood right because that's what they always do yeah. and apparently hood. this is like a gang of hooligans in this like horrible town it's like come on yeah it's, like, it's raining it's like, it's like the poor people can't afford good weather the pool was murky stagnant and unfit for human contact water um that that's what the water was like there right <laughs> the water was, right and, 
And I'm just like, I'm trying to figure out, because like, is this a dystopian? Like, why is everything smell bad? Like, why is everything rotten? Right. Like, is this world like a product of like a huge war? Like, what happened to create all these horrible smells and like this terrible infrastructure? That's yes, yes, you're exactly right. Like dystopian, like the hallmark of dystopian is that like there's a collapse in infrastructure and people are sort of like surviving among the ruins of a previous civilization. And this feels like that, except like there's no indication that there was a previous civilization. Like this is clearly the civilization, yet it's still like rampant with ruin. Mm-hmm. So Tyra's painting with the brushes and like the colors of a dystopian novel without actually setting a book in a dystopian. Like I actually don't think it's meant to be dystopian. It sounds like it's supposed to be like Basically, like, a really, like, it's like a poor man's utopia is how, like, this feels. Everything that we've seen so far, like, the school is terrible. Their house is falling apart. Like, everything smells bad. Like, the the hospital, like, system is horrible and scary. What's good about any of this? Look, she's just in Manhattan. You just described, like, my neighborhood. (laughs) I didn't say rats, (laughs) so you're wrong. Oh, the other thing the news cover, it reminds you that the famous supermodel CL, so mm. CL being like CI hyphen L, or like squiggly line L, she's missing still. We sort of get a reminder of that every other chapter. Um, I'm starting to wonder who she is, if we've met her undercover. I like, I know that like Lizzie was in a previous chapter and she like escaped from a mental hospital. So I'm like, maybe that's CL. Like now I'm sort of starting to pick up upon the things that I think we're supposed to be paying attention to. And right. CL's definitely them. Yeah. They also mentioned that she. First of all, the way that this news reporter is speaking, like, nobody on the news speaks like that. He says, keep in mind, this is a woman who has been very forthcoming about her child- how her childhood was spent in a place without a single mirror. There's so much to unpack there. First of all, <laughs> reporters are not going to say, keep in mind. Like, that's what you say when you're gossiping with somebody, okay? <laughs> and also, what does growing up in a house with no mirrors what is that supposed to do to you psychologically? In my mind, I'm like, well, that actually might be healthier because you're not checking yourself out every five seconds. And like, it doesn't matter really what your appearance is. It's kind of weird, but are you going to be traumatized because of it? I don't know. The way that they talk about that as traumatic also flagged for me, mostly because um, there's this really amazing song called There Are No Mirrors in My Grandma's House that we used to sing in chorus about how like, the person who wrote it basically like the the premise of it is like there were no mirrors so i couldn't know you know that like my nose was too wide or like you know my skin was not the right color and basically i didn't sort of inherit all of these like perceptions of society and like i read that and i was like oh like this is a this is like maybe that's a throwback to that but you're right like it's it's like we should prejudice her because like we take pity on her like she didn't have a single mirror and like <laughs> that's why she's deeply traumatized it's so weird yeah creamy is also like a hater for no reason it, it seems like anybody who is beautiful that's not miracle is an evil bitch yeah she does not like cl at all she wants her to stay missing forever right she also called the girl who got the smile from pitter patter mm-hmm. disgusting creature yeah and it was, she's like a caricature of like the evil stepmother but she's the actual mother and then my favorite moment of hers is when she just stands up and starts clapping like she just starts applauding because <laughs> she's got like this like psychic intuition as to when like her favorite child will arrive home and lo and behold miracle like walks into the room a second later dancing and i was like but that's she's, great but she's also clapping tepidly like why 
Tabitha. Yeah. <laughs> she's like not even good at like favoritism. <laughs> she's clapping tepidly. I just love that she stands up and starts applauding and like <laughs> that miracle arrives. Like that's power. Miracle's got it going on. I love that Miracle's best friend's name is Brian. Like Brian. literally everybody in this world is named like Tookie and Creamy and Miracle spelled with a Y and his name is Brian. Brian enters and Brian is immediately a gay person because he he's is. like he's like totally like just like he's like he's like total like f word gay like that's like how that I, I like saw him enter and I'm like this is like this is what Tyra thinks of gay people because like he's basically like an accessory to miracle and like stands in the background and just deploys like witty and like kind of like cynical like one liners like honey I didn't even know you could feel regret and yeah. it's like it's like that person it's like the the gay best friend like fresh from the package and. I, the second he showed up, I was like, oh, good, representation. Yeah, I, at first, I was like, I was like, why is this young child using the word honey? And I was like, oh, it's because he's supposed oh. to be gay. <laughs> <laughs> honey. Um, and, so they, like, and also they, like, dance in. They literally, like, like soft shoe their way into the kitchen. <laughs> oh, my God. And um, so Creamy gets really pissed that Miracle's dancing, but I love this sentence so much. Miracle says, but I love dancing, right? She pouts, and then it says, yes, honey, I know, but you don't love it better than becoming an intoxabella, do you? Mrs. Della Creme shrieked. <laughs> yes, can you imagine? I love this. Dialogue tags are such a thing, right? Like, in, like, writing, and the fact that she shrieked an entire <laughs> sentence that's, like, a like polite reminder it's just it's so funny so that's what this is this is what that would sound like yes honey <laughs> i know but don't you love it better than becoming an intoxicant do you do you <laughs> God. she's literally <laughs> shrieking like have you like if you google shriek it's like <laughs> and she's at the top of her lungs shrieking an entire <laughs> sentence i can't incredible this is why i stand so far creamy is my favorite character just because she chose to shriek an entire sentence i love her outfit I really yeah, just do. Great too. The baby doll. Also, no mention of this baby doll. I would definitely be drawing attention to this baby doll, but we're, you know, what's her face? Like, Bellissima? We don't know anything about her. She's we gone. Don't. At this we point. don't. Then we meet Mr. Delacrem. Mr. Delacrem. Let's see. We get, like, a few key indicators about him. Like, he comes in. Um, He's wearing a black leotard, and he's, like, sort of spilling out of it. And he also is apparently a dancer and also is an acrobat, and also he only has one eye. I just, why? Yeah. Oh my god, wait. We missed something very, that I really wanted you oh, to Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Because I know you'll hate this. Um, I'm going to read you. Yes! I'm going to read you. Uh, I'm going to read you so Miracle's line here. She's talking about dancing. Miracle line, not noticing. O'Brien, like, insulted her about being dumb, basically. She goes, What I have to do first to prepare is to get my dancing to perfectness. That way I can pose the best of the rest in a vest and pass the test and be the guest and walk with zest unless they want me to walk from east to west and and then this is where i would have shrieked if i was creamy but she actually just yells stop it and i wrote yes honey (laughs) like thank you for putting an end to that but again you're right like we like slip into verse briefly and it's like cute and it's just so horrible. I know it's like a big pet peeve of yours with this book. Right, because it comes out of nowhere. Like, it's not like a specific thing for like a character. Like, it happens during the intro also. <laughs> like, rhyming out of nowhere. And none of it makes sense. Like, and nothing that Miracle just said makes any sense. At, like, literally at all. Um, at all. Um, her dad answers and he's 
the incredible uh, Chris Kremkrabat. He's and... much younger than Tookie's mom. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. I, I read a little bit ahead. I can, actually cannot wait to unpack some of the stuff that's going on in the scene when we have a little bit more details later. Oh my but God, we'll get I'm there. really scared. But... So he loves Miracle more than Tookie, Love, like everyone, her. for no reason. She's a dumb mm-hmm. child. So I feel like this book really tries to... I'm hesitant to compare books to Harry Potter because I feel like J.K. Rowling is given a lot of sort of credit for tropes that she did not invent and because she made them really popular to like the collective reader masses, right? But I also feel like this book does pull heavily from some of the tropes in Harry Potter, except that it doesn't give it like a logical connection to anything. Mr. and Mrs. Delacreme hate Tookie. Like they hate her the same way that the Dursleys hated Harry. Hate Harry. Except that the reason that the Dursleys hated Harry is because they're prejudiced against magics. And the reason they're prejudiced against magics is because Mrs. Dursley's sister was a magic and she wasn't. And she's jealous, right? So it's like it's a lot it, it makes a lot of sense it's a very human emotion it feels like a real thing that like boring middle class people would be upset about someone having magic and not them right you are um, blowing my mind right now <laughs> i didn't even think of that so i really feel in this particular scene as well as like there's one other little small part that i that i will bring up later that i feel is is plucked from harry potter but i really feel that tyra probably her frame of reference for children's books is probably harry potter Mm -hmm. I might be wrong, but Mm -hmm. this is what most people, even newer writers, usually reference books like Twilight and Harry Potter because those are the really um, popular ones. So I really feel like she tried to pull from that trope of like the one, Mm -hmm. like the chosen one who is hated by her guardians. But she, I mean, as of right now, we do not know why she is so hated and why Miracle, who is Dudley, basically, um, (laughs) is, you know, like, like the dumb, useless one, why they are so loved as opposed to the other, like, more rational, I guess, one who's like, don't throw the food out. It's wrong. So that's just... Mm. (laughs) One little. You're blowing. I cannot believe you. You're a genius. That is that did not occur to me whatsoever. But now that you're telling me about this, like, oh my god, um, I can't stop thinking about it. And I think, okay, if I, again, I know this is like me being generous. If I had to sort of like rationalize this, I would be like, okay, it's probably because miracle sort of represents status quoism in the world of Metopia, whereas like Tuki is defiant in the way that like Harry sort of like defied you know, normalcy for, like, the Dursleys. Right. But that doesn't really make sense either, right? Because the the, the <laughs> utopia of this world is model land. It's a place where people are models. And you're telling me that you don't prefer your six-foot child? Your six-foot gangly child who is, like, the perfect size and shape for a model? Or, quote-unquote, you know, perfect according to the messed-up world and the messed-up world of fashion. Not actually perfect because there's no such thing. Because, like, okay, Tyra, Tyra growing up, she was very tall and lanky, right? And, like, a lot of this is based right. on, like, her being bullied, etc. But that's because she was growing right. up in, like, the normal, regular, real world where not everybody was thinking about becoming a model. As opposed to this world where Mm. that's all anybody wants. I think the only thing that would make sense to me is that they resent Tookie for having these features, right? And they just don't like her because they just don't, right? And they think Miracle's cuter, but she doesn't have, like, the, the... 
the stature that Tookie right. has. No, you're, you know what? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because here in the, like the status quo or like what people would be reaching for is exactly what Tookie already is. And we know that because we've been described like, and we also sort of know this is like written by a supermodel, but this book would be really subversive and this would work, right? This dynamic between like Miracle being perfect and Tookie being imperfect. If Tookie was like, I don't know, like heaven forbid, not a size zero or something right. like that too. But model like models have been described and Tookie has been described and they actually have the sort of like same description. And that's where I think this book sort of like is led astray. It doesn't actually, there's nothing like, there's no new ground covered about like beauty standards, right? And maybe that'll change, but so far it hasn't. Yeah, it like I just feel like everything about the book sort of falls apart at because yeah. of that, you know. And we're yeah. on chapter we're four. <laughs> we're, on, we're on page forty-three. Oh my god! Yeah, so oh no, chapter sorry, chapter three. We're not on chapter four yet. Chapter three. Mm-hmm. Um. There. Um. Okay. So. Um. So they're, all right, so to, to remind people, they're doting on Miracle, who is going to walk in the day of discovery. Like, they're really sure that she's going to be chosen and discovered, basically, become one of the seven and an Bella. Also, I don't know what a seven is versus an Bella, but I think we get a few more few more details on that a little bit later. Um, but through doting over Miracle, a fight breaks out between Creamy and Chris, uh, and it's about... Creamy wanting to go to the salon with Miracle to get Miracle's split ends taken care of, but Chris reveals it's actually because Creamy wants to cheat on him with, like, the hairdresser while, like, Perry. Miracle's under, like, the hair... <laughs> yeah, Harry, the hairdresser. And they, like, get into this, like, big fight, and Creamy, like, looks at him and is like, well, at least I don't spend my nights boozing! And, like, I'm like, oh, great, like, the boozy, drunkard dad, like, the washed-up dad. Like, here he is, like, one-eyed acrobat, like, you know, in retirement, who drinks himself silly. Like, I was like, okay, j- you know, you, you again. Every yeah. YA has one of you. Um, <laughs> and then um, Miracle Miracle puts a prompt into this fight. She goes, stop it. Miracle whined, and both parents froze. Back to me, everyone. I'm the most important girl in the room. Member? I hate okay. her. <laughs> I was like, you're awful. Ugh. But I was also- same. Like that was also my tactic when I was a little kid. But <laughs> member, I, member. Uh, yeah, actually, the worst part of that sentence is is member with an apostrophe leading it. Awful. And then they they stop fighting. It works. They all look back at her and they're like, "You're right. You are beautiful, and we we should think more about you." I'm sorry that we let the narrative drift off of the pretty girl for for a few seconds, but I thought we were getting someplace. But clearly, Miracle did not want that. No, at all. Um, also, there's a point where they talk about that there's not an official minimum age. For who could compete during T-Dod, right? So technically speaking, Miracle could have right. walked earlier, but nobody younger than 13 had ever been chosen. I don't understand why she included this because it takes all the importance away from, from, like the, year. Yeah. from the year, right? Like it should be like once you turn 13, you can walk. I'm not sure why. <laughs> This, like, unnecessary detail was thrown in there. I guess maybe because someone younger than Miracle is going to be chosen. I think that would be the only thing that would make sense. Like, a younger girl is chosen, like, for the very first time. Otherwise, it was, like, a waste of tension, in my opinion. Right, yeah. No, it's funny because I actually got a note recently on one of my manuscripts about, like, a contest in entry and, like, how come they couldn't enter before? Like, why is... Basically, this, the question is, and this happens in a lot of stories, it's like, why is the story taking place now? Why this inciting incident? Like, what's happening now that, like, couldn't have happened before and, like, wouldn't happen after? Like, why does the story begin right now? And a lot of, like, 
new writers don't think a ton about that. They're like, well, this is like, this is my entry point. But then the world sort of falls apart. We're like, well, how come they just didn't do this earlier? Or like, what have you? Right. Um, but you're right. That that sort of that. <laughs> I didn't think too hard about it. Because at this point, I'm just like so deep in space. <laughs> that like, these, like small contradictions like are not adding up. Like I'm not registering them. But, uh, but you're right. This is something that like, at least I would have gotten in trouble for. <laughs> I'm here to make us think logically. <laughs> mm, I, I'm, 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 I'm like here to like defend. <laughs> Which is so well. hard to do when you're reading this book because it makes your brain mashed potatoes. They have a newspaper. They're reading the newspaper. Oh, that yes. The scene quickly skims over to, to a newspaper because I think like Toki during that fight like picks up a newspaper and her mom snatches it away and is like, I can't bear to read anything that your dirty eyes have looked at. Uh, um, and this, okay, I can, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. They mention, and this is another sort of like reoccurring character, but they mention the fugitive Baroness Mm -hmm. who, like, I guess like she like killed her lover or something like that. But she's like said to be, she's, she's described as a shady wench, which definitely is like this book's terminology for like a shady bitch. (laughs) Um, And I I kind of forget why, but she's described as like this like evildoer who, let's see, she fled Terra Bosanova. um, And uh, what did they do? Why is she fugitive? Um, well, didn't she somehow, like, mess up the integrity of something? Okay, they are working with the uh, Bosanovian local authorities to track down the this evildoer who has ruined the lives of tens of thousands and, and scared the, uh, sorry, and scarred the image of the annual Stakes event in which second-year students travel to Strip Town, a real place in this world, and gamblers bet on which girls will become Intoxabellas upon graduation. Strip That's Town a is, lot. like, Vegas, I guess. Vegas, yeah. Vegas, right. So she somehow like ruined the integrity of an event in which people like bet on like child trafficking. I feel like I feel like she did like some sort of Ponzi scheme. Um Mm. so okay, yeah. It says Yonzi scheme. And on page twenty-four it says a famous wealthy baroness had run a Yonzi scheme of sorts, invest investing people's money unwisely and bankrupting them all. Instead of making good on her payments, she had gathered her family and fled. So she is like, um that what's that one guy's name who's in jail? I forgot. The the Wolf of Wall Street, that guy? The other one. The one who Oh, um, there's so many of them. He, he's like more recent. Is it Ponzi himself? Mr. Ponzi? No, um, I forgot. He doesn't matter. Anyway, so yeah, so that's why she's like an evil bitch. She's at Terra Bossa Nova, which I'm guessing is like the musical place. Mm New Orleans, like, (laughs) yeah, so she's fled. She's in the paper, um. And, uh, and then, oh, of course, Mr. De La Creme calls his wife woman, which is also, you know, classical disgruntled husband. Somehow we get on the topic of tea. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Terrabosanova. No, not Mr. Terrabosanova. Mr. De La Creme. Oh, they talk about tea kettles. They're like, there's a tea kettle sale. And Creamy is like, I can't wait to get a new tea kettle. But we've already heard that she has a tea kettle that's like still wrapped. And he's like, you don't even like tea. And she's like, I love tea, actually, husband of mine. And he's like, okay, fine. Like drink a cup in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> and then go boink Perry in the salon. I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is really, this is a poisonous feud between the two of them. And I love this because it's like, this is the kind of like weird inanity that like I actually appreciate in books where he's like, fine, drink a cup of tea. And she's like, I would love to drink tea. And they're like, all right, Tookie, 
make tea. And she, like, has to, like, tensely, like, brew a pot of tea while her parents, like, stare evilly at one another. Right. And she's also has a, we find out that Tookie stutters whenever she talks to her mom, I guess, because her mom is abusive. Tookie flinches and she says, but, but, but creamy. And her mom makes fun of her and she says, duh, duh, duh. I hate like how evil they're making them just for the sake of being evil and i really am hoping that we discover that there is some sort of reason behind how malicious they are but i hate when characters are sort of like just flat and just villainous and there's no reason other than we need people to make the main character's life a living hell in order to let them rise above it. I just right, feel like right. it's like, such lazy writing. It is such lazy writing. It's like, it's like an evil plan. Like I hate when an evil plan can be dismissed with like, but you're crazy Lex mm-hmm. Luthor. Like it's like, okay, why is anyone doing this then? Like evil people spend so much time, you know, enacting their plan. Like there has to be sort of like a grain of logic behind what they do. They can't just be like flatly evil. And for a long time, people would relegate people like, you know, creamy to like, they'd be like, oh, like that's like so middle grade. Like it's so juvenile. But actually middle grade also has like tons of really fascinating, like depthful evildoers, right? Like evil being a perspective and sort of like if their agenda doesn't match the hero, like then they're deemed evil. But like, readers of all ages appreciate a well-wrought villain, I think. And in this case, I feel like we're not getting that. Yeah, I agree. I think they're Mm -hmm. just very, like, one-dimensional characters. And they're only there to make... Same with Miracle. They're only there as a foil to Tookie and nothing else. And you know what? Thank God they are, because Tookie so far is so irredeemable. She hasn't done anything that I appreciate that, like, the only light that she stands is is the light that's, like, reflected onto her from all the people around her who are just so much worse. <laughs> yes. Like, that's, all, that's all the merit she's accumulated. Absolutely. She's, like, I would say, what's her friend's name? Lily or Lilith? I forgot Liz- her friend. Lizzie? Lizzie. Lilith! Yes, Lil- Lilith. Lilith. Her Wife of the Lilith. <laughs> so Zarpeza and Lizzie are like the two characters that I want to know m- most about. And I feel like Zarpeza especially is like, we're supposed to hate her, but I actually am a lot more interested in her story than I am Tookie's. Me too. And you know why? Because we were given what I think are actual like bones to a character when we met Zarpesa, even though she's not the main character. This is actually this sort of speaks to like just the quality of this book. Like Tookie, we are spending so much time with and it's only repulsing us further. And not even repulsing us, like she's just sort of boring. Um she's sort of like, you know, she's a forget a gal, but she's also like the like pick me version of like every female heroine. Whereas like Zarpesa, like, she has a concrete point of view as like the popular girl, but then we meet you know her her backstory and she's got this like inherent contradiction of like utter poverty that she's trying desperately to cover up and like there within is actual conflict right like she has a goal something is in her way there are actual stakes whereas Tookie is she has given up to the point that she starts the book lying on the floor Uh, like she's already down for the count like she doesn't want anything she doesn't need anything she doesn't have any stakes to her Mm -mm. so far she's not like other girls that's what everyone she's deeply sure. unlike other <laughs> she's not like other girls and says she doesn't have a brain or a cerebral cortex or like any sort of goals whatsoever. <laughs> so, <laughs> amazing thing about Tookie De La Creme. so Tookie's making tea everybody's there's like a lot of tension and there's water running obviously and then Tookie finds something in the water Tookie finds this is it a smize there's a smize oh! and she goes from being you know not like other girls to literally being not like other girls because she finds a smize. Yes. Like, learn it. <laughs> Nothing happens. It just literally comes out of her tap. Amazing. So that, that is the end of chapter three. We 
made it. So, Clarabelle, for chapter three, we like to do a rose and a thorn for every chapter. What is your rose? I'm going to go ahead and say the fight between the Delacreme parents because it was so unhinged and out of nowhere. But particularly this one line, which made me laugh out loud. And who are you, Mr. One-Eyed Ex-Circus Star, who spends his nights boozing? I loved that. (laughs) I loved it. I would say the thorn is just like the characterization in general and and how everyone's purpose is sort of seems to circle around Tookie without any agency or storyline of their own, it seems. I'm not sure what any of the characters' motivations are, except to make Tookie's life a living hell. I would say that my rose is probably uh, like the completely inconsequential inclusion of Brian in this chapter, who has no purpose whatsoever (laughs) except to literally act as a dialogue accessory, and specifically his line, Honey, I didn't know your little old brain could be scared. (laughs) Anyway, girl. (laughs) It's so, oh, it's so bad. And like, I get, like, I'm the thing is, like, it's working on me. I'm like, Brian's the gay one. I'm automatically rooting for, for him, but he has no impact whatsoever on this chapter, and we actually forget about him completely, which I will say could be my thorn, but I will agree with you. I think my thorn is that, yeah, like, we're meeting all these characters, and despite, like, one after another, like, these people coming in, all they really serve to do is kind of cast a flattering light on Tookie, because they're all just, like, so blandly bad and now that you pointed it out the whole like dursley comparison to me is just like <laughs> captivating like i'm just so distracted by that that's going to be my my thorn for this i think <laughs> thank you so much for listening to another episode of celebrity book club if you want to follow us on the internet you can find us on twitter at celeb bk club on instagram at celebrity underscore book club and you can always email us at celebbookclub at gmail.com if you want to follow me, Clarabelle, on social media, I'm at Clarabelle underscore Ortega at at Clarabelle <laughs> blah blah. I'm at Clarabelle underscore Ortega on Twitter and Instagram. And my website is ClarabelleOrtega.com. And if you feel like following me, Ryan, my Twitter is at Ryality, R-Y-A-L-I-T-Y. My Instagram is at R-Y underscore L-A underscore S-A. And my website is RyanLasala.com. See you next week, Hot Queens!
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.